Jitto heads. Attention, Bo Scouts. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the soul of excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now, here's Bo Snurdly. Welcome to Bo Snurdly's Rush Hour. It is Thursday. Here on WABC Talk Radio 77, we are, ladies and gentlemen, the crown jewel of American radio. Glad you are aboard. If you want to be part of today's program and programming note, we are going to take calls earlier today. Andrew Giuliani is going to be with us. I asked Andrew to call in early, too, because I want to talk about uh, what has happened down in Atlanta. You just heard Rudy, so glad he's back. And um, I want to talk with Andrew about that. I want to get his sense on the debates and where we're going. But I want to talk with you, too. And if we get some calls now, I'll keep this first monologue shut so we can get to some calls. 800-848-WABC is the number to call. I assume many of you watched the debate. I assume many of you watched Tucker. Tucker's numbers were through the roof. Congratulations, Tucker Carlson, again. Tucker Carlson is out there just, I mean, this is phenomenal what he is doing. And the interview that Tucker had with Donald Trump last night was classic. For anybody that thought you were just going to get the same old, same old Donald Trump, you've heard all of this before, not so. Donald Trump said a few things that were profound on the program with Tucker last night. The debates. <sighs> 848-WABC. 848-9222-800, of course, in front of all of that. 800-848-WABC. I'd like to hear what you thought about the debates. What did you think? The debate, not plural. It's only one. Um, you just heard Rudy praising Ramaswamy. And I, one of the things that, that the, the left is outraged, I mean outraged over, and you can see it in some of the headlines, Ramaswamy says global, global warming is a hoax. And I'm like, yeah, and? That was really interesting, too. One of the things that I, one of the moments you may have enjoyed, Ron DeSantis, when the moderators, can you raise your hands if you, hey, we're not school children here. I get so sick of that raise your hands business. Nikki Haley has gotten some interesting press today. And I've been telling you, you know, I know that there are people who don't like Nikki Haley because they consider her sort of a back and forth. She'll say things one moment they support Trump, next minute she sounds like she doesn't. But I, I've always liked Nikki Haley, and I have not always agreed with Nikki Haley, but I don't necessarily agree with any politician 100% of the time, so that's not a big deal. But you have to admit, if you looked at the news coverage today, that Vivek Ramaswamy gained a lot of traction. Now, New York Post, among others, says today, the New York Post, I, I have the article somewhere in front of me, said that Ron DeSantis won the debate. 
you'd have you have to look far and wide to find other news outlets that agree with that assessment, but that is their assessment. There are other things in the news, by the way. There are things like the Prince Ogan mystery, as they're calling it, no mystery. Vladimir Putin, I mean, this takes nerve. Vladimir Putin sent condolences to the family of Prince Ogan. Now, everybody's saying now, a day later, it was something inside the airplane, must have been. The airplane, plane. Uh, there was a bang from witnesses on the ground, explosion, and it came apart, two pieces, et cetera, et cetera. But Putin sent condolences, and in the condolences, he did say he, you know, he made some mistakes, grave mistakes. <sighs> There's the article from the New York Post. Ron DeSantis was winner of the first 2024 Republican debate, the man best suited to unseat Trump. Those of you who are Chris Christie fans, Chris had an interesting night. You know, some of the things that Chris Christie says make sense. Can we just, if you're a conservative, Chris Christie will say some things that make sense. But, I mean, you had, Brett Bear had to tell the, ask the crowd, stop booing him. Because the boos were so overwhelming. I don't know why Asa Hutchison was there. Tim Scott, I thought, didn't, kind of shrunk into the background, didn't do as well, maybe as I had anticipated he might do. Mike Pence, I thought, and I see we have some calls on Mike Pence already. Mike Pence. Was Mike Pence, I had a friend that was texting me during the, during the debate, said, you know, Mike is trying too hard to prove that he's a tough guy. But Mike Pence, I thought, did well, given the circumstances that he's finding himself in, and given the fact that he and Trump are in the middle of this now very public debate over what happened on January 6th. That's one of the things. I thought Donald Trump, when he was with Tucker Carlson, was pretty gracious about the dispute that he and Mike Pence are having. So, as I promised, we'll start on the phones. I want to hear what you think about the debate. This is not just me. This is our show. So give us a call, eh? Come on. Come on, Mike. Call us. Let's go to Karen in New Jersey. You watch the debates, Karen. How are you? I did. I'm disgusted at Mike Pence. Disgusted because he keeps perpetrating the lie that he said that Trump asked him to go against the Constitution by overturning the election. I do not believe that is what happened. I believe that Trump believed that there was some corruption in the election and that all he asked was that Pence would just suspend, you know, the saying that he lost by going back to those counties that they say he won that were disputed and ask for a recount. That's not going against the Constitution. That's not asking him to overturn the election. That disgusts me. And I think that Mike Pence, 
I didn't like him at all. I don't like his attitude. I think he thinks that um, he comes off being very arrogant and pompous, to be honest with you, and self-righteous. And I don't like that. And I don't like that lie. That lie, and it is a lie. I was up until 2 in the morning, the night of the election. I stayed up until 2 in the morning the next day. And Trump was so far ahead. There is no way Biden could have caught up unless there was some kind of funny business going on. Now, if anybody watched um, 2,000 Mules, it's called 2,000 Mules. Yeah, it was a D'Souza movie. Okay, so listen, I don't want to spend all the time talking about the election. Now, we got your, your, your on Pence. And let me ask you about some of the other candidates there. Was there anyone else, was there anyone that you liked on the stage last night with the Republicans, Karen? Karen's still there? I, I'm still here. Can you hear me? I hear you now, darling. Was there anyone okay. that you liked? Okay, um, I, I don't think any of them are truly presidential material, but the two that stood out to me the most uh, were um, Vivek and, and the one from Florida. And, and I'm saying that now... Ron DeSantis? Ron DeSantis. But I will, I will say this, even though I don't think either of them are right now presidential material, maybe in the future, but I believe Vivek, I believe uh, he's very smart. And he's got a lot of energy, but I think he's a little bit too young. And I'm not sure if he can stand up to the deep state. Um, Mm -hmm. Ron DeSantis, I thought he came off better at this debate than any other debate that I've seen him in. Um, But I still don't. I still think President Trump is the one that can really turn this country around. Karen, thank you. You're wonderful. Thank you. We appreciate it. All right, let's go to Mario in New Jersey. Mario, your thoughts hey, on the debate? Hey, Bo, how you do? How are you, Bo? Listen, I I don't agree with the previous caller that Trump could turn the country around. He had four years and he didn't succeed at it. As far as Christie goes, you know, I don't even think he belongs on a stage. And you know what? His obsession with Trump is because he's just like him. He's a bully. He doesn't tell the truth all the time. I was a school board president when he was governor, and he did absolute everything he said about the board, you know, the teachers union. He is he made that stuff up, pulled it out of thin air, and I totally disagree with him. Impressed? Anybody was, that is there? Anyone that you were impressed with last night on that stage? I was impressed with Ramaswamy. Um, he, he's going to appeal to that younger generation. Um, Nikki Haley had some really great points. One of her great points was they're never going to get a, 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 you know, a federal ban on abortion because there's not enough conservative senators that would vote for it. She's 100 percent right. Pence was pandering um, to that. You know, uh, let me like, ask you a like, question about a Pence funny moment. When they asked about the mental health uh, test, whether that should be part of the presidential, uh, Pence was quick to come back, well, everybody in Washington should take that test. And that seemed to be a a relief moment. Almost everyone in the audience gave a little chuckle there. Was that a good moment for Pence? Absolutely, because think about it. you got Dianne Feinstein. you got Mitch McConnell. You have some of these people in there, uh, Bo, that are older than 
than the than the Constitution for for you know. I, mean, <laughs> I know I'm a, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, Diane Feinstein's being wheeled in on a wheelchair, and she's asked to vote yay or nay, and her staffers still just say yay, just say yay. I mean, yep. You know, it's Mario. We have to go because I got to get to. I got to get to the clock here, but I, let me ask you one quick question. If you had to pick a winner from last night's debate, who would you say it was? I would say DeSantis and, and Ramaswamy were very, very neck and neck there. All right. Mario, thank you. James Golden, a.k.a. Slendy. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Andrew Giuliani is going to be with us. You know, on Thursdays we talk with Andrew. He and I are going to spend a little bit more time, but that doesn't mean we won't take your calls. In fact, you know it would be fun if we take calls with Andrew, some of your calls. So keep it right there on WABC Talk Radio 77. This is, of course, Bosner Lee's Rush Hour. And today's birthday, Molly Duncan. From the Scottish Funk and RB group, the average white band. This one with number one, 1975. Pick up the pieces. Molly Duncan passed away in 2019, age 74. But the song lives on, the music lives forever. WABC, Bo Snurdly, coming back right after this. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio. James Golden, known popularly as Bo Snurdly. This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Rush. 1985. Went to the movies. You did. And you saw Back to the Future. And this was part of the soundtrack of that movie. Huey Lewis and the News. The Power of Love. Two weeks at number one on this day in 1985. Bo Snurley, James Golden with you here on WABC Talk Radio 77. Joining me is Andrew Giuliani. Andrew, how are you? Welcome to our Thursday chat along. How you doing, Andy? Bo, well, thanks for having me. I got to tell you, you know, I, I'm a big fan of the Back to the Future movies, and I don't know if they could have predicted when they looked 30 years in the future in 2015 that just a few short years after that we'd be having political prosecutions here in the United States of America. 
Great segue, Andrew Giuliani. Great segue. You are absolutely right. I have to tell you, I was heartbroken looking at the mug shots lined up and the glee that the left has and some of the snark aimed at your dad is yeah. just distressing. Um, at the same time, his statements afterwards, I thought were just typically Rudy, just stoic. No, we are fighting for this country. And he, and he seems to be the happy warrior engaged in the fight. What was your reaction to your father being arrested in Georgia, arrested and treated like a common criminal? I thought it was just one of the disgraceful episodes of this nation and this nation's history that is just puts a stain on this country. Well, you know, I started the morning off yesterday with President Trump and spent the morning with him while my father was going out to Atlanta. And then I ended the day last night after the debates with my father at his house. And I have to tell you, as a son, uh, I am so proud of him. I'm so proud of him because he knew throughout this process, and I'm talking about in his time defending Donald Trump, just what the media was trying to do to him, just how they were trying to tear him down. And to your credit, James, what you highlighted about all this, it's really even less to tear him down. It's more of that he is an example for anybody that will stand up for anybody related to Trump, any conservative causes, or really just any truth. And I think that's really uh, one of the things that I'm so proud of him for. But more than anything, you know, yesterday was an emotional day. You, you never want to see that for your father. Um, but I have to tell you, I think he was absolutely dead on. The thing that's amazing uh, about him, and this is kind of similar to Trump in some way. They're just wired a little differently in the sense that they seem to gain energy out of this. And I really think they see the crossroads that our country is in right now. You know, when you and you mentioned this with the uh, with the mugshots, when you have the forewoman of the special grand jury bragging about, I think earlier this year in a really unusual media session about her excitement about subpoenaing Trump and bringing him in and, and the same thing with Rudy Giuliani, um, you realize that we're in it with people who are in there for political gain. When you have Fannie Willis, who literally four days before indicting Donald Trump is going out there and opening up a fundraising website, this is somebody that unfortunately just cares about political gain and does not care about our constitutional republic, does not care about the future of America, and certainly doesn't know anything about what equal, equal justice under law means. Now, the House Republican, the House Judiciary Committee today, uh, Jim Jordan says that he's opening an inquiry into Fannie Willis and to, to see whether this is, you know, a political, of course it's political, but he's going to open an inquiry. Look, I'm not satisfied. I'm going to just say that to you. I don't know where you stand on this. I expect, and I want to see more from Republicans. I don't want to see any damn inquiries. I want to see Republic, I want to see Democrats held accountable. I don't want to see inquiries. I want to see them brought into this judicial system to answer for weaponizing this, this government. I want to see those responsible for the Russian collusion, collusion hoax held to account. I want to see people like Letitia James and Fannie Willis and the Democrats who have openly run and got elected on the idea that they were going to get Trump and now get all these Republicans. I want these people held to account. I don't want inquiries. I want action, not just words. What's your take on this? Yeah, Bo, I think you're absolutely right. Look, we know that in Congress you have 
you have a few fighters and a few warriors, and I had the opportunity to work with Jim Jordan when I worked in the White House with President Trump. He certainly is a warrior. He's a fighter. I've gotten to know James Comer. I agree with that. We also know that there are a lot of Republicans that care more about making sure that they're going to get their invite to the next cocktail party that's thrown by the Washington Post than they do of actually the real causes right there. So we need to make sure that those warriors are actually going to step up, that they're going to actually get the transparency and the truth out there for the people's house. Our closest representatives in Washington, D.C. are our members of Congress. They need to make sure that they are stepping up and actually that we have answers on this stuff. Because, look, we know it. This is as obvious as it gets. As we said, we highlighted it out before. Fannie Willis's motivations are she, – she said it to us. I mean, this, you don't have to guess. She's literally gone out there and said it to us. As I mentioned before, with the fundraising website, you know what she's trying to do. She's looking to potentially run for higher office. And in doing that, she is literally attacking the attorney-client peer privilege. It's pretty amazing and ironic when you think about it, actually, that a district attorney who's looking to seek higher office is attacking the attorney-client privilege in order to seek that higher office. And what does most of our legacy media outlets do, both? Nothing. They actually support her. It's unbelievable. It feels like you're in bizarro world here, Bo. So It really does. It does. It does. And for me, you're absolutely right. I want to see them held to account. It's a good first step from Jim Jordan, but I want to see more information next week and next week and next week on this because we can't stand for this to happen. You know, there's another movie from the 80s that I used to watch a whole lot, and it was Rambo. And at one point, when he reaches his breaking point, he says, they drew first blood. Well, guess what? They drew first blood on this one, and we have to make sure that this does not happen again. I'm looking right now at my daughter's room, 21 months old, my father's first grandchild, and I just think of what the country, what the country is going to look like when she's growing up. And we need to make sure that these people are held to account so that way we can bring back truth and justice in our judiciary system. Now, tonight, Donald Trump is expected to uh, turn himself over to these quote-unquote authorities one of which is a sheriff down there in who has been gleefully saying no exceptions he wants he he's another one that wants the Donald Trump mugshot this is a pride of honor for these people they want to be the ones to go out to their leftist socialist buddies and say oh look we collected the scalp that you wanted we hate him as much as you do and, and i'm sorry if that sounds hyperbole but to me it is not there is no earthly reason that your dad or Donald Trump should have had to get a mugshot. Mugshots, the purpose of a mugshot is to help authorities identify you if you are on the run. That is the underlying purpose of a mugshot, which is why even these rabid other prosecutors said, "Eh, Donald Trump, we don't need a mugshot from him, most famous face in the United States probably. But this is pure vendetta that's going on in Georgia. So tonight is Donald Trump's turn to have to endure this. I just, I, to me, this is the kind of thing, you, you just said they drew first blood. I don't see too many Republicans that actually want to go Rambo, politically speaking. Politically speaking. Yeah. yeah. You know, to your point, and I was only laughing because I'm crying on the inside, and I'd rather laugh with you than cry. But you're absolutely right. I think the only thing that I would add to that, 
in highlighting just the absurdity of actually taking a mugshot for Donald Trump, the probably the most well-known human being in the last 50 years in the, in the world, not just the country, in the world. And then Rudy Giuliani, who America's mayor and the world knew him. And uh, the absurdity of that, the only thing that I would add to it is the fact that they think that Donald Trump is a flight risk. And now this is a, a self-admitted billionaire. And $200,000 is going to keep him. Think about that. That's unbelievable. So that's the only thing that I would add to all that. You are absolutely right about this. And, uh, you know, I'm just, uh, as I said, as a son more than anything, it's, and it's pretty interesting. I could tell you, you know, my dad and I have talked a little bit about kind of the emotional side of this because he's, uh, he's, he's not stoic, but what I would say is he never really gets emotional about this in terms of feeling sappy, anything like that. He just kind of, is a guy who focuses on the next mission. I would kind of relate it to Bill Belichick. What's the next play, right? That's He's focused on, okay, what can I do today to make this better? What can I do today to make this better? That's how he ran the city. That's how he ran the Southern District of the U.S. Attorney's Office. And that's how he's been. And I've kind of felt the same way until last night, until I had the opportunity to really sit down, take a deep breath, and actually see the shot. And I couldn't believe more than anything that we're in a country that would actually do this. Amen to that. Uh, Andrew Giuliani, let's you, you stick around for our next segment. Let's talk debate, and we'll bring some listeners in on the debate. Um, I want to get your impressions of what we all saw in the country last night with Republicans on that stage. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, here on WABC. Birthday today for Marshall Thompson, American singer, musician, original member of the Shy Lights, Oh, girl, have you seen her? Happy birthday, Marshall. Ago today, I was happy as a lark. But now, I go for walks. To the movies, maybe to the park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snerdly. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snerdly. Rush. Now, here's Bo Snerdly. Another birthday here on WABC, David Freeberg from, well, I don't know, Jefferson Airplane, Jefferson Starship, Starship, Battleship, any ship. They may change the names, but the music has always been great. Including this one, my favorite from Starship at the time. David did the keys, vocals, electric bass, rhythm guitar, viola, percussion. Amazing musician. With this amazing group. I just remember being 12 years old, uh, discovering this and, uh, and listening to it, crying about a crush I had. Yeah, man. 
Andrew Giuliani is with us here on WABC. Um, listen, let's let's talk about the debate last night. One of the things that I've noticed, Andrew, is you're not seeing what you usually see when Democrats have a debate. The glowing stories about all the diversity on the stage. Last night, what did we have on that stage? And by the way, if the Republican, excuse me, I'm saying this, not Andrew Giuliani, so don't attribute it to him. I'm saying this. If the RNC wasn't so stupid, we'd have even more. Because they didn't let William Hurd go, black congressman who's running from uh, Texas, former congressman, Larry Elder, who has proven himself to be an amazing uh, uh, not just broadcaster, but also politician, uh, was denied, even though he said he made it. And uh, Mr. Suarez, out of Miami, mayor of Miami, Hispanic, not there. But in spite of that, you have Vivek Ramaswamy, you have uh, you have Nikki Haley, you have Tim Scott, you have Ron DeSantis, you have Christie and Hutchison, the anti-Trump guys. You have, uh, you know, it was just a night. And 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 this guy from North Dakota, the governor from North Dakota, I thought he had one or two good lines when he when he slipped it in. This was a diverse lineup of candidates, and they were not the usual cookie cutters. You had points of view here that you rarely have expressed on a stage openly from Republicans, and of course, Vice President Mike, former Vice President Mike Pence. What what was your take on the debate? First off, I think you're right. I think the RNC should have definitely let certainly Elder and Suarez in there. I think it would have been uh, great for the party, right? I mean, one of the things that President Trump liked to talk about in the White House was let's become the big tent party. Let's make sure right. that we are catering. Let's make sure that we have, no matter what your background, no matter where you're from, that you can go and look potentially at a Republican that you may know and say, you know what? That's somebody That's somebody who's aspirational. That's somebody who I can grow up to be like. How did that person get there? Become more curious about it. Start asking questions. And then you actually start to get by the Democratic media establishment lines, basically, that we know come right from the DNC about Republicans, you know, hating poor people. Republicans uh, are, you know, anti-immigrant uh, and all that stuff. That, that all comes from the DNC. And if you look just a little bit beyond into the facts, you realize that it's completely fictional, and they've been doing this for years and years and years, and that's one of the ways to do it. Uh, as for who was on the stage last night, look, I thought that I was expecting Vivek to get more questions earlier about his comments about Israel and even the comments about 9-11, and the other candidates never really pressed him on it. There was that one time where Haley pressed Vivek on Israel, and I thought his answer was about as good as it could be. I was surprised when DeSantis came in afterwards that he didn't press back on that because I thought that was an opportunity to really question a guy who seems to really be surging. And I also thought it was an opportunity for other Republican candidates to step up and say, hey, we are standing by Israel over here, which is probably very important for a governor of Florida. When you think about that, you think about the demographics, just like it is in New York as well. Um, but look, I thought Vivek seemed to be in the middle of everything. And as you know, that's a big part of it right there. He seemed to get a ton of airtime. It seemed like he ended up doing very well in terms of those exchanges and being quick right there. And I thought Chris Christie was the big loser. I mean, look, 
We knew that he hated Trump. I didn't realize he hated every single other Republican on that stage, though. It just seems like he doesn't like any Republican on that stage. And he came across as abrasive and, and dislikable uh, to me. Well, that's that's who Chris Christie has turned into, apparently. I mean, I'd love to get Chris Christie on the air, and I'm not, I don't want to harangue him. I want to know what he wants to do if he is president. That's what I want to know from everybody. I think Tim Scott, by the way, I expected a little more from Tim Scott last night. I think the way that things played out, it didn't happen. But I think Tim Scott is positioning himself as a potential VP pick. I think Nikki Haley is positioning herself, if she doesn't win, as a potential VP. I think Ramaswamy's a bit young, but he has a lot of energy, and something about him is likable. You know what's likable about him? He's likable telling his family story of the American dream. And this is this this Ramaswamy is a go-getter. Yeah. I may not agree with him on policy. I think some of the things he says are terribly immature politically, but he's a go-getter. And, he, and he's not afraid to go and throw himself out there. You can tell that his lines are not coming from uh, a think tank, basically, that is uh, that has pulled it and said you need to say this and this, which I think is really important. Look, we've learned this from President Trump. It's important to be genuine, and people will generally forgive mistakes if you are actually being genuine and you're putting yourself out there and not just being robotic. And I think there's something He better explain this 911 stuff. He better not come off as King Kook. That was was the biggest shock to me, Bo, that there was not a question about that, that any of the other candidates, especially considering that there was a lot of back and forth with Vivek. I mean, Pence was going back and forth with him. Christie ended up calling him out as the chat GPT candidate at one point. You saw him and DeSantis a little bit, obviously him and Haley. I mean, there were opportunities to be able to do that, and they never really pressed him. And to me, that was shocking. I was really expecting that. I was expecting Israel to come up in the first half of the debate, not by the 80th minute of the debate, which is when it came up, and it only came up for a little bit. So I think it was a very good day for him. And that's for Tim Scott. Look, I think Tim Scott continues to be the happy warrior in the yes. And sometimes, yes. sometimes when you're the happy warrior in an eight-way debate, it's tough to get airtime because you're not responding to this, responding to that. If you look, there wasn't any vicious engagements with Scott and anybody else. But I thought he made the good points when he had the opportunity to get up there and do that. It just wasn't that frequent because, again, his strategy is happy warrior and there's not that back and forth. But I think he continues to serve, a, to do a great job on this campaign trail and somebody that I think President Trump is really considering as a potential pick if Trump becomes the nominee. Steve from Staten Island, you're on with Bo Snurley on Bo Snurley's Rush Hour and Andrew Giuliani. Steve, what did you think about the debate? All right. uh, Listen, Bo, last time you and I spoke, uh, you were explaining to me what your thoughts were, why why the Republican Party never organizes its constituents and then for anything, the Democrats come out in the thousands for a, uh, the, a, a tree fly. And you know what? And, and Andrew, my heart goes out to you because I loved your father. You know, I was out there in 9-11 and, and, I, and, and you know, listen, it's just unbelievable what's happened in this country. My father got shot in World War II and, and you know, he's rolling in his grave right now. God rest him in heaven. And I have to ask him about the debate last night. Chris Christie's just angry and bitter and that his only purpose there is to to not Trump because he knows he can't possibly win. He's just not likable. And Ramaswamy, I, I don't, I, 
kind of great. I'm kind of happy how he was brave to fight. I don't like his view on Israel yet, but I think he could be swayed and uh, and taught about the, the truth about that issue and how important it is to get along. But I have to ask you again, Bo, here we are with the Republican Party and all our constituents and our candidates. Why is it that we're so easy to talk about fentanyl when we know it's killing so many hundreds of thousands of Americans and others? And it's coming from China and it's going through here and there and coming through the border. And no one still ever brings up child sex trafficking. It just annoys me so much. That Steve, I'm you should be annoyed. Listen, no listen. Here, here, here's the thing. When this issue of sex trafficking first came up, people said, eh, I don't know, this is kind of a fringe issue. This is not a fringe issue. And it is not a kook issue. This is a human issue. And you have had now, we have had now four years of unrelenting traffic into the United States across open borders, many of them minors. Before Donald Trump, we had the Obama administration openly bringing in minors without their parents into this country. No one is tracking what is happening to these minors across this nation and with these coyotes and with these drug traffickers. Andrew, you want to respond to that? Yeah, I would just say as a father, it breaks my heart and it scares me, right? This is one of the scariest things that you can imagine here. And to me, this is just so obvious. And the fix, it's there, right? I mean, President Trump had the border under control and was improving it. And by the way, if he had a Congress that actually would have helped him, really, then we probably would have seen a much greater border security than we even saw. Even in spite of that, though, he was able to get illegal immigration numbers down. As he talked about, he wanted legal immigration in this country. We want to make sure that our doors are open, but that we trust, but verify. We don't trust, we verify. Um, so to, to me, you're absolutely right, Bo. And, and I got to tell you, I was, I was moved. I was moved by the Sound of Freedom movie that came out a couple of weeks ago. And uh, it was a movie that I was, I was literally fighting back tears in the opening credits. That's how moving it absolutely was. Thank you, Andrew. It's time for us to check in with Lou Dobbs. It's time for Andrew, stay there. Um, we've got more calls I want to take with you if you have time, okay? James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, with you here on Bo Snurdly's Rush Hour. The day after the presidential debates, the day after Tucker crushed it with his interview with Donald Trump. This is the day that we lost Gene Page, producer, music producer, who worked with Barbara Streisand, Barry White, Righteous Brothers, Dobie Gray, Bob and Earl. He also produced this with Whitney. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Show them all the beauty they possess inside. Give them a sense of pride to make it easier. Let the children's laughter remind us how we used to be. Everybody's James Golden, known popularly as Bo Snurdly. This is the Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Rush. Nineteen seventy-four. This was number one. Starting today, went on a three-week run at number one. Paul Anka. What a lovely way of saying how much you love me. 
Yeah, it sure is. WABC, Andy Giuliani is with us. Andrew, thank you for staying. Let's grab some more calls while we can. Time is running out. Uh, let's go to Marianne in Newburgh. Marianne, you watched the debates. What would you think? Um, I think what we're thinking about at this point is not is there one particular person, but we need to kind of weed out and and narrow down the field. So I like Nikki Haley. I like Vivek. I liked um, I liked Tim Scott. I, I don't think it was his best showing, but um, and DeSantis and even that mayor of wherever he's from was a little surprising to me. So that's you mean the I governor like. of uh, North Dakota? Yes. Um, yeah, Burgum. Yeah, he was he was a little he was a little surprising to me. Uh, Christie's got to go. Pence's got to go, and um, Hutchinson's got to go. So the other thing that I found interesting was that it seemed that everybody was on board with abortion up until 15 weeks, which is pretty much how most of the country feels, that that it needs to be like on some level, but not up until the time of the time of delivery. So I don't understand why they keep calling it a ban when it's really not a ban, but all right. Now, Marianne, interesting point. I uh, One of the things I posted last night after Martha McCallum introduced the question was, look, this is always presented as this is a winning issue. This is a winning issue or a losing issue, this abortion thing. To me, abortion issue is not a winning or losing political issue. Yes, I do realize it has political ramifications. But what Republicans need to address whenever that question comes up, especially from some of these moderators, is, let us go beyond the wins and the losses politically, and let's discuss this from a morality point of view, from a moral point of view, from what is right, from the sanctity of life, and how important that is to a culture. And Donald Trump did something by appointing these Supreme Court justices that many of us thought we would never live to see the day. We have this evil rule that was made arbitrarily, by the Supreme Court, Roe versus Wade overturned. That is a moral victory, and Republicans should be proud of it. Andrew, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think you're right, and I would also approach it as uh, you know, looking at late-term abortion. It seems like so many Democrats, the, the entire Democratic Party, seems to uh, seems to uh, be behind. I mean, think about the fact that you had a former governor of Virginia when he was governor, Northam going out there and talking about potentially after the child is born, considering terminating the child, killing the child at that point. So you're right. right. This is a moral, this is a moral issue. And I wish more Republicans would look and talk about late term abortion. I wish they would talk about the morality of it as well. And I think you're right. I think it's one of the greatest things of the Trump presidency that when you look and you think about the millions of children that he is going to save because he did appoint those Supreme Court justices that looked at Roe versus Wade and the flaws that uh, that it was based on uh, and overturned. Mike in Brooklyn, New York, you're on with Andrew Giuliani, Boston Early's Rush Hour. What's your take on the debate, Mike? Hey, Andrew and Bo, great to uh, talk to you. Hey, so listen, I waited, I waited a couple of weeks. You know, I made sure I was home on time to watch it, and I want to tell you what, I don't think there was a winner. I think the only one that won is Donald Trump, and. And looking at that field, I mean, Vedic was okay, but 
it just it just seems like the same old stuff, and it, it seems like you know we're going to get screwed again. That's how I feel. Wow, thank you. The winner, Donald Trump. Talk for a minute. Um, I don't know yet, Andrew, if you've had a chance to see the Tucker interview with Donald Trump. Um, it was amazing. It was not just the same old stuff. Uh, Tucker asked him some very pointed questions. What do you think about this idea that Donald Trump won the debate by not being there? Yeah, I think he did. I think he ended up winning. I think his strategy was probably right on this. You know, I had given him the advice, the advice three weeks ago to go and do the first debate, do as best as you can in that first debate. Hopefully it's a winning debate. If it's a winning debate for you, say, okay, now I'm going to watch the JVT team play to see who's going to be my vice president. Um, but uh, I was surprised when he didn't. But then when you look at him and the choice of Tucker there going on that, obviously their uh, beef with Fox, uh, I thought it was it was brilliant. I, I caught pieces of it because I was doing coverage. I didn't get to see it yet, and I went back and watched about the, the first 20 minutes of it. And I thought it was I thought it was great. I thought it was fascinating. Um, and look, I thought he showed the charm that a lot of those candidates struggle with. When you think about DeSantis, very good chief executive, struggles to show the relatability. Same thing with Pence. We got to wrap it up there, Andrew. What a pleasure to have you. And of course, we'll talk with you next Thursday. This is Boston Nervous Rush Hour. May God bless, protect each and every single one of you, your family, your loved ones. Love, gratitude for you being here with us. God willing, we will be back tomorrow and see you then. Bye. <laughs>